0: If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, let's turn to the second chapter of the book of Daniel. We started in uh, Daniel last week, and we're going to continue on uh, again this week. I don't know if I'll go next week or not, or if I'm going to do something else. We'll we'll see what God's got in mind. But the second chapter of the book of Daniel. Now, as you're turning and getting ready, and we'll, we'll read here in just a few minutes, but... Uh, you know, in this technological world that we live in, tech, technology is a wonderful instrument. It's an amazing instrument that, that we, you know, when we need help. For instance, if you have a project that you need to do, like putting a part on a car or a tractor or a washing machine, you can go on YouTube and get a video and it'll pretty well tell you how to do it step by step. Now, sometimes you have to work through all the junk to get to the one that you really need, but it, it's, it's pretty cool that through the internet, we have pretty much a direct line to the instructions to how to do just about anything that we might want to do. And then you throw in this thing that we're starting to uh, uh, see and hear a lot about, this thing called artificial intelligence. Now, I don't know a lot about artificial intelligence, but I know that when I look on Fox News for the headlines, every day there's something about artificial intelligence. I don't ever read the stories, but uh, and it's raised a lot of concerns, and we can understand why. Uh, but it, too, can be a useful tool if we use it carefully. If we use it the right way. But I want you to stop and think about this for just a minute. With all of this information that that we have at our disposal through the internet. It's close at hand, but how often do we use it? You know, I, I do use it from time to time. I do go on YouTube and watch videos on how to do stuff that I don't know how to do. But let me tell you, let me kind of put this little thought for you to think about. Even though we have all of this available to us, do you realize that through prayer you have more access to more power than the internet could ever even begin to dream up? Have you ever thought about that? And I'm going to show you that. I'm going to prove that to you beyond the shadow of a doubt. But yet, even though we know that, even though we know that through prayer we have access to more power, how often do we rely on our own wisdom and our own ability instead of accessing this power that is available to us? I think that God is going to tell us today that prayer isn't just an avenue by which we can access or accept divine resources. Prayer really does make a difference. Prayer really does make a difference. Now, and we're going to see that in this little sermon today. So, that leads me to my first question. And my first question is, how seriously do you take prayer? How seriously do you take prayer? Do you think of prayer of something that you just do each day? Or do you think of prayer as an effective tool for getting things done? Now, today we're going to continue in this book of Daniel, this study in the book of Daniel, and we're going to see how Daniel prayed very passionately and accomplished great things for God. Now, before I start reading, i just got to set up just a little bit what's going on here in this second chapter. In this second chapter of Daniel, we find that King Nebuchadnezzar, has had this very distressing, very disturbing dream. And and, uh, he was looking for someone to interpret that dream for him. But not only did he want somebody to interpret the dream for him, he wanted them to tell him what the dream was that he had in the first place. So in essence... King Nebuchadnezzar was kind of like my old Southern Baptist deaconess mother who raised five boys, and this is not really the nice way to say it in church, but she would tell us, boys, I can't look at your hiding and read your mind. And that's what King Nebuchadnezzar was basically telling his wise guys. He said, I want y'all to tell me what I dream. And then tell me what it means. It seems like an impossible task, doesn't it? Now, the reason that he wanted them to tell him what his dream was, he wanted to make sure they wasn't making something up just simply to appease him. And they failed miserably. All right, let's turn to Daniel, the second chapter. Let's look in verse 13. Y'all got it? And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Now I'm going to stop right there. Keep your Bibles open there. And by the way, put you a bookmark in the book of Daniel because we will be going elsewhere. Now, let me visit with you today about passionate prayer. Now, this was a very scary time for these wise men. And the reason was, it wasn't just enough that they tried to interpret the dream. They also had to tell the king what what dr- his dream was, to share his dream. And, and he wanted to know that. So this was a very difficult task. And, you know, these, these wise men that were under King Nebuchadnezzar, these advisors to the king certainly couldn't be expected to read the king's mind and know what his dream was. There was no way. It it, it seems like there's no way anyone could fulfill their obligation to the king. Or could they? Now, this was without a doubt an issue of life and death. This is where these guys are. Since these wise men could not produce the answer the king wanted in anger, he ordered all of them to be executed. And here's where Daniel gets involved. Because Daniel was considered to be one of these wise men. In other words, it, 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 you know, Daniel probably when he heard this decree, he probably is thinking to himself, well, that's just great. I, I needed something that was impossible for me to do on my own. I, I, that's the way I need to start my day off. I, I needed something that I have no control over. I need something that I have no talent whatsoever to draw on. I needed something that I have no natural abilities to use. But here's the thing the same is true for each one of us. Isn't it almost ironic how much time we spend trying to have some sort of control over our lives? When you get in your car, what do you do? You put on your seatbelt. Now I know you're sitting there thinking, well, Mr. Pastor, yeah, that's the law. Yeah, it is the law. But why do you wear your seatbelt? Because there's a bunch of nuts out there driving. That's why. We buy insurance policies. We, We make good diet and good exercise decisions. Well, some of us do. But... You know, we 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 have a retirement plan for money that we've earned for for our future. But yet while all of these sound like rational, logical decisions, good decisions to make, in the end, they only provide an illusion of us having control over our lives. Despite our best efforts, it doesn't matter how hard we try, we're always on the brink of a crisis in our life. As you all well know, all it takes is one phone call to completely turn your life around. So that's the reason why I say we're always on the brink of a crisis. So basically when we look at our lives, we're always in need. We make ourselves think that we are secure in some shape, form, or fashion based on the decisions we've based on the things that we've done. But there is, a ne- there is never a moment in our lives when we are not in need of God's grace and power. The only question for us today is, how aware are we of how much we need God every day? Now, I want you to think about that. God may be wanting us to realize right now that you need Him more. And you need to learn how to trust Him and come to Him in prayer. All right, let's read on in Daniel. Look in verse 14. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom, the word wisdom is uh, understanding, to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is this decree so hasty? That word hasty is urgent or harsh from the king. Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king or tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing or the decree known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companion that they would desire or might seek mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish or be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, Daniel knew that he served a God that majored in the impossible. So now, I want you to look here. Notice what David does when he hears about this degree. He goes straight to the king. He don't beat around the bush. He goes straight to where the problem is coming from. He was that smart. He went straight to the... And then after he went straight to king, what did, what's the next thing he did? He went straight to God. Did that jump out at you in these verses? He was humble enough to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he needed God's help. And I can see God. And you if you're paying attention here, you can hear God saying right now. Did you notice that that Daniel didn't treat prayer as the last resort? Did you see that? Did you see that in those verses? Isn't that something that that we do a lot? Daniel knew Prayer was his first and best option. Far too often, far too often, and I hate to say this, and I'm probably just as bad as anybody, but far too often, what do we do when we find ourselves in a distressing situation or a disturbing situation? We try to handle it in our own wisdom and our own ability. Far too often when we start to pray with passion and we start to pray with fervency is when we have reached the end of our rope and we have tied that proverbial knot and we're hanging on for dear life. Why is that? I think it's simply because we underestimate God. We need to learn to trust not only in the power of God, but also in His wisdom to do the right thing at the right time. In other words, do what is best for us. So we underestimate God, but in the same time, you know what we do? We overestimate ourselves. Because for some reason, we believe that we are wiser, we are stronger, we're more resourceful than God is. We think that we can handle the problem all by ourselves. Am I right? Folks, let me tell you, when you go to God in prayer and in faith, we should expect things to start happening. When we pray in faith, we believe not only that God hears us, but that He's going to act and it's going to be in our best interest. I wonder if there is a situation in your life where you're treating prayer more like a last resort rather than your first and best option. How many times? How many times have you caught yourself saying, after you've run out of all possible avenues, well, at least we can pray about it. Really? Think about this. When we finally decide that that we can accomplish something on our own now, all of a sudden, well, I guess it's time to call for a little divine inspiration here. Prayer isn't the least we can do, folks. It's the most we can do. You ever been frustrated? Or am I preaching to anybody? Y'all ever been frustrated? Big Carl, if God loves a liar, he's hugging your neck. I know better. He's hugging. I know better. But why is it we get frustrated and We give up on trying to accomplish something on our own. And then what do we say? Well, I just don't know where to start. We're so overwhelmed. I just don't know where to start. Why don't you just start in prayer? Sound logical? That's what Daniel did. Daniel got the news about the king's decree when he was alone. But he didn't keep it to himself. Instead of going off by himself to pray, what did he do? He went and found his friends, didn't he? He prayed. But he didn't pray alone. And that should be a lesson that Jesus wants each one of us to know today. You remember in in Luke, the 11th chapter, you remember Jesus' disciples came to him and asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus did what? Taught them the Lord's Prayer. Or what we call the model prayer. Now let's just turn there. Y'all turn to Luke 11, real quick. I need to catch my breath and get a drink anyway. Luke 11, second verse through the fourth verse. When you get there, read it to yourself. Luke 11. 2-4, through four, read it to yourself, and I want you to see if you can find a word that's not in there, that you think ought to be in there. Luke 11, 2-4, read it to yourself, and see if you can find a word that you think is missing. Ironically, it's the word that probably is the most present in each one of, Of our daily prayers. You know what that word is? You're seeing a lot of pronouns in there, aren't you? You see, everybody's got, well, they don't say that. You see a lot of pronouns in there. What's the one that's missing? I. You do not see the word I nowhere in verses 2 through 4. You see the word we. We see the word are. We see the word us. All of them are plural. Jesus wants us to pray as a community. That doesn't mean... Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that that we don't need to go off and and pray by ourselves in solitude from time to time. Jesus did that quite often in the Bible. But what I'm saying is praying together gives people... Uh, 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 a sense of God's unity and identity. It, it, it kind of works like this. When we pray together, we declare God's rule over his people. We, we need to, to pray together as a way of standing against the ways of the world. Praying together is a very practical way that we bear witness to each other's burdens. Why do you think we spend time every week talking about people that we need to pray for? Why? Because we're coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are lifting them up. Why? Because there is power in prayer. It makes a difference. You don't realize that till you're on the receiving end. Let's read on. Look in verse 19. Y'all got it. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel did what? Bless the God of heaven. Daniel and his friends prayed together. And then what did they do? They waited and expected God to answer. But that wasn't the end. You notice when God gave Daniel the answer, what did Daniel do? Daniel was quick to give credit where credit was due. What did he do? He praised God. Do y'all realize the situation Daniel was in here? He was fixing to be killed. Now, I don't know what y'all would do in that situation, but I wouldn't be just praying like Daniel did. I would be like, God, I need help and I need it now. He prays God. Why? Acknowledging the character of God's power. Let me ask you something. Has this ever happened to any of y'all? You, you know you, you need to go to God in prayer about something. You know there's something bothering you and you know I, I need to get God involved in this. But then when you start praying, you don't know what to ask for. You don't know what the best solution to the problem is. What the outcome needs to be. Have you ever been there done that? Our motives get muddled. Our intentions get confused. We're not sure about how best to handle the situation. So what then do we pray for? If you don't know what to say, what are you going to pray for? But we're very fortunate that God can give us The gift of wisdom. Put your bookmark there. Turn to James, the first chapter. Go back there just right past Hebrews. That's where you find James. Y'all got it? Amen? Look at verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and unbrideth not. Unbrideth not is without reproach. And it shall be given him. Now, this verse assures us that if we are undergoing difficulty in this life, and we don't know what to pray for, that during such times we can confidently ask God to give us what? Wisdom. That's what James says. God has got an abundance of wisdom and He will give it to us easily if we ask Him. This was certainly the case with Daniel. But James was telling us this. Notice that he didn't stop there. He tells us what we should ask for. Look in verse 6. But let him ask, in what faith? Nothing wavering. You know what nothing wavering is? Not doubting. For he that wavereth, doubts, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. This should be a huge encouragement for each one of us. This tells us when we're struggling to pray and we really don't know the outcome to ask for, if if we're fumbling through our words, we can absolutely be confident because wisdom is a gift from God that He loves to give to His children. And through wisdom, we can pray about something from God's perspective. From God's point of view. Maybe you've been through something this past week. I don't know. Maybe you are got something lying ahead of you this next week because of something that's already transpired. Just ask God for wisdom and how to respond. How to make decisions. What to say. And then move forward. Go on with it. As you ask, don't doubt. What did James say? Don't doubt without wavering, but trust in the vast resources of divine wisdom that is available waiting to be poured out on you. So when Daniel got his answer, what did Daniel do? He praised God. When you pray, what should you be doing? Praising God. Instead of saying, well, who would have ever thought in the wildest dreams it worked out like that? Go back to Daniel. Look in verse 20. Y'all got her? Amen. Daniel answered and said, now look. Pay real close attention here. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are His. And He changeth the times of the season. He removeth kings and setteth up kings or raises up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding or have understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with Him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, and hast made made known unto me now what we desired of thee or ask of thee. For thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. Now, when we think big thoughts about God, we think less about ourselves. Did you get that? When we think big thoughts, like Daniel did, in prayer, we don't think so much about ourselves. When Daniel went to the king, and he told the king, he had the answer to the mystery, what was the first thing he did? He gave God the glory. He gave God the credit. You see, Daniel prayed passionately because he knew exactly what he was in need of, and he knew he needed help. You see, God's character moves in prayer. And, and, and just did you catch the things that that drove Daniel to praise God? First, he praised God for His wisdom. He says, "The sun," or, or to think about the when we think about the way that God rules the universe, how He intertwines all of these millions and millions of individual occurrences for His glory. That should cause us to be in prayer, seeking God's wisdom in our personal situations. The next thing, Daniel praised God for his faithfulness. The sun rises and falls. The seasons change. All these things happen in cycles. Why? Because God set them up. God watches over them. He is faithful. He is faithful to His promises that He makes to us. He will make good on His promises. And we can read... Promise after promise after promise in the Bible that God made to His people. And each of those promises still apply to us. Not because we deserve it, but because God is faithful to us. So when we pray, we should have a steady stream of God's promises running through our minds. And then Daniel praised God for his generosity. Daniel sought God's mercy. God bestowed that mercy by doing what? By giving Daniel the answer to this situation with Nebuchadnezzar. In other words, God did what was best. God always does what is best. So, because of that generosity, Daniel praised God for it. Now, I'm not saying that God's always going to answer the way we expect. That's not what I'm saying. But we can always trust that that He will give us what we need. And that ought to cause us to pray more. That ought to cause us to pray with more passion and more fervency. Trusting that He's going to act at just the right time and just the right thing is going to happen. All right, I've got to wrap this up. I want you to go to Daniel one more time. I want you to look in verse 27 and 28. Y'all got it? Daniel 2, 27 and 28. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king or declare unto the king. But there is a God in heaven. Remember, He gives credit where credit is due. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known or has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. Now, real quick here. Maybe something is troubling you right now. I don't know. But maybe something is troubling you right now. Maybe that's the reason you came to church today. Because you just feel a little bit closer to God here in His presence. And maybe you want to talk to Him about something. We need to look at our troubles as opportunities for God Display his, to, for God to display his glory. That's what transpired with Daniel in this situation. When you stand back and you look at this second chapter of Daniel and what's going on here, we can find, it, it really gives us a very simple formula: God's people have a need. God provides deliverance. God gets the glory. That's how simple it is. It's a formula for prayer. Think about it like this. Let's say that you get sick. You get really, really, really sick. You can't even get out of bed. So one of your friends comes over, or relatives comes over, and cooks soup for you, keeps you comfortable in bed, makes phone calls for you, takes care of you slowly every day nourishes you back to health. Do you think you're going to get the praise for accomplishing that? You think you're going to get the glory in that situation? No. Why? Because you were the one that was sick. You were the one that was in need. No one is going to praise you for getting well. Your need, being sick, was the mechanism... That drew attention to get someone to help you. The same thing is true when it comes to God. God is there for you whenever trouble occurs. Whatever it may be. Whatever you're going through. And I'm going to prove that to you. Right now, beyond the shadow of a doubt. And you may want to highlight this verse in your Bible or on your phone or underline it or something. But I want you to turn to the 50th Psalm. Forget Daniel. We're done with Daniel. Don't worry about bookmarking it. Go to the 50th Psalm I'm going to show you one more thing and then we're going to go. As soon as I find it. 50th Psalm. Verse 15. And call upon me. Who's me? And call upon... God, Everybody say God. In the day of what? Did I just tell you He's always there? He says, And call upon Me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thy shalt glorify Me. Highlight that verse. Underline that verse. Whenever you get find yourself in a situation you don't know what to do, you don't know how to handle it, you need to read that first. And not the last thing you do, but the first thing you do. When you're in trouble, call on God. God gets the glory. Very simple. And here's the thing it's simple, but it's difficult. And the reason I say that is this when we are actually in trouble, when we are in a bad situation, rarely. Do we think of anyone or anything else other than ourselves and how in the world am I going to get myself out of this pickle I've gotten myself into? But maybe God can use this today to change our mind a little bit, to change our perspectives, to get things in order. Maybe we need to start looking back at our days of trouble as opportunities to bring glory to God, to be displayed. I guarantee you if we did that, we would pray with a whole lot more expectancy. Waiting for God to do only what God can do. Are you or someone you know going through troubles right now? Then do what Daniel did. Gather up some of your closest friends and start praying. Start praying about it. Ask for whatever the specific need is in your life. And then when that need is met, you should be sure to give credit where credit is due. So, if you're having trouble, just back up to that old cross and put that problem right there at the foot of that cross and say, God, this is what I need. This is where I'm at help me, show me, give me the wisdom, meet my need. And He will. Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank You so much for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. Father, we just thank You for this church and this church family. And we come now together, Father, just praying to You as a body of believers. Asking You, Father, if there is a need in this room today, whatever it is, You meet that need. We trust in Your power to get things done. So Father, thank You for loving us. Thank You for sending Your Son to die on the cross for us. And Father, we ask that You forgive us where we fail You. Father, I thank You for each one here today. I ask You to watch over us, continue to protect us in this very challenging time that we live. Father, certainly I pray for those not with us and I lift up all the folks that we've got on our prayer list. We've got a lot of things going on, a lot of different people in need, a lot of different situations there, Father. And we ask those needs to be met as well. So Father, as we leave this place, I just ask that we be a very bright light in a very dark world.